joy, peace, tranquility, vibrancy, and wellness. Isn't this what you want instead of constant stress? That's what host Rochelle Lawson is going to help you with on Blissful Living. There are many ways to reduce stress, some you may not even know about. Doesn't a little peace and tranquility sound like just what you've been looking for? Relax for a few minutes with Rochelle. She's the queen of feeling fabulous. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Blissful Living. I am Rochelle Lawson, known as the queen of feeling fabulous, and I am your host today. And today we are going to receive some very, very beneficial information, of course, that we can utilize for our mind and our body. My guest is just a another fabulous I guess, with a wealth of information way beyond um, my capacity, so to speak. So let me just tell you a little bit about him. His name is Dr. Rob Pomahawk. Um, he was born and raised in Canada, so he's a Canadian. And check this out. He actually played professional hockey in Europe. Um, he served as a trainer for both the U.S. and Canadian Olympic, Olympic teams. And um, he has been awarded chiropractor of the year also he was named twice sports physician of the year that's phenomenal um one of only three chiropractors in southern california certified in chiropractic biophysics now he is the owner and clinical director of max health la and it's a full service clinic located in the fabulous beverly hills Check this out. It has over, I believe, um, more than 7,500 square feet. And the center offers chiropractic, acupuncture, nutrition, physical therapy, therapy, body analysis using the latest technology, wellness programs, massage, and, of course, personal training. And uh, I would like to just now at this time welcome Dr. Rob Pomahawk. To Blissful Living. Welcome. Thank you for the invitation. That was a great intro. I, hopefully I can uh, uh, make some good suggestions for your audience, and thank you for having me. Oh, well, we are always um, so honored to have guests with expertise like you have and background, and my my audience loves to hear, you know, and learn about the information that we share, so I guess that's why we have such a pretty successful show. Now, with regards to you, I want to, you know, I haven't really dived in for a while with regards to exercise and how that affects the biophysiology that goes on in within our body. Um, and, and for the listeners, at this time, I would just highly suggest that, you know, sit back in your chair, relax, grab you a nice, refreshing beverage, and just absorb the information that Dr. Pomahawk is going to give to us today with regards to um our conversation. Can you tell us, you know, there's a lot of um, programs out there that emphasize uh, different, I want to say workout regimes. I work out, I, I do my own thing. I've been doing it for a long time and it's been very successful to me, for me, but um, that I'm also very strong-minded and, and I have a great sense of willpower. But for those people out there, you know, with all, with regards to all the workout programs and, you know, everyone's perfect way to do something. Can you give us, we're going to just start the show off with, can you give us some advice 
um, as to what we should be looking for with regards to a specific type of workout? Yeah, I think the one thing that's sort of out there right now is just way too much information, and people are really getting confused in terms of what type of exercise they should be doing. So I think the first thing a person should do is find out where they are in terms of their health. So doing a health evaluation. That can be done with a personal trainer or a doctor of wellness such as a chiropractor. But you really have to understand what your barriers are and where you are currently on your uh, road to health. It doesn't make any sense to um, take on an exercise protocol or program that's not in your league or wasting your time. So that's the first step is to figure out where you are. Are you um, an advanced person, uh, a moderate person, or a beginner? And, you know, be honest with yourself. Realize what your goals are. Uh, write those goals down and uh, have a game plan. And the game plan can be established and developed between uh, both the person that's doing the exercising and the person that's uh, instructing the person that's doing the exercising. Okay. So now um – you know, when you go to the gym nowadays, first of all, let me backtrack a little bit. With regards to exercise, um, I, I I want you to just emphasize or explain or I guess, yeah, I guess we'll say emphasize the fact um, of the some of the benefits with regards to when we exercise, not only for our body, but for our mind. Sure. Um, you know, there's tons and tons of research coming out that, uh, 80% of the problems that people are encountering these days are lifestyle. So exercising isn't an option anymore. It's mandatory if you think about it. I mean, we're such under great stress these days and working at a desk for too many hours, maintaining one position for too many hours, and we never really move anymore. So you have to set aside uh, time to be able for your body to manage and adjust the stresses by getting rid of stress, which is through uh, any form of exercise, and that exercise has to be, you know, effective and efficient within a certain amount of time uh, that you can give yourself. I teach my patients that give yourself three and a half hours a week. If you can't find three and a half hours a week, then you first have to figure out how to organize your life. Once you can accomplish that, then set aside and write them down in a calendar when you're going to have your scheduled appointments for your exercise. I, I like that. Yeah, so the benefits of exercise are, are endless. I mean, from reducing the risk of cancer, stroke, heart disease, diabetes, improving sleeping patterns, improving uh, uh, digestive issues, uh, having better sexual relationships. I mean, it's endless in terms of all the research that's out there. And uh, this is what I study on a daily basis and instruct my patients, just get up and move and do something. You know, for example, when you're sitting at your desk on your smartphone, get an app, and make sure you set your app for a time clock for every 20 minutes. Set it, and every hour, move away from your desk, even if it's like 30 seconds. At least you're changing positions because you're not going to be effective uh, for a long period of time if you're in pain. So by changing a simple position from a sitting to a standing position to a 30-second stretch, but doing that every 20 minutes, now you're being active while you're in, an, in a non-active position when you're sitting at your desk for eight hours straight. So just move. So get up and move. You know, and you're right. Nowadays we have um, our jobs. Uh, well, I haven't had one of these in a long time, but I know people have a lot more sedentary life, lifestyle within the, the workplace arena because of all the high-tech stuff. You know, before things used to be done outside 
a lot. There was a lot of manufacturing stuff, but now it's it's more just sitting at your desk and cranking stuff out of your brain into a computer. Um, and that does lead to more sedentary lifestyle. So, of course, it slows down your metabolism. Is that correct? Yeah, I mean, not even just your desk. I mean, if you think about it, you get up, you get into your car, you go to work, you finish your work, you get back into your car, and then you sit down at home and have dinner and then watch television. I mean, we're sitting way too much. And, and yes, not having motion and not allowing your body to have a change in energy expenditure definitely affects your uh, metabolism for sure. Wow. So with regards to metabolism, you know how you hear all that stuff or all the stuff out there that as we age, our metabolism slows down. That may or may not be true, and I'm going to let you talk about that. But also I want to piggyback and say with regards to that, is is there ways that people can – well, let me just start. As you age, is it true that your metabolism slows down, and do you have control of that? Uh, your metabolism is a daily changing uh, number uh, mm-hmm. in terms of how your body uh, functions. So if your metabolism is slow for a week, it can be changed uh, for the following week. It all depends on your body's ability to handle stresses, chemical, physical, emotional stresses, and how much movement you're getting and, and how much um, good intake of healthy nutritional food you're putting in your body, it's really a lot of small baby steps that you have to constantly be sort of managing and preparing to be able to change your metabolism. So just just because you have or someone tells you have a slow metabolism, you can change that. You're not stricken with having a slow metabolism your entire life. I have patients that are older and just don't have a proper eating pattern proper sleeping pattern, proper stress management pattern. None of their patterns are in place. When we establish and allow people to understand the importance of them, their metabolism changes to an optimal level. So, therefore, their ability to have a better quality of life, lose weight, gain muscle mass, improves. So, I know at your at your um, your clinic, when someone comes in, they probably come in for, you know, a variety of different things. Do you set them up with a... Um, Say you do, an, of course, an assessment, and, and then based on your assessment, set them up with, say, maybe something to help them with to better their nutrition, therefore, you know, increase their met- metabolic rate, um, an exercise plan that, you know, works for them, um, you know, you know other therapies that you might, you know, be doing in your clinic. Do you, do you set them up with a plan of, of complete care, or is it just they come into you specific and you just that address that one specific aspect? I think what happens uh, when most people come into uh, my office and they have, let's say, for example, a neck issue or a low back issue, pretty common complaint, uh, the person just doesn't know why they're having the problem. And most of the time it's not from one injury. It's from maybe an injury here or there or a car accident in the past. But it's an accumulation of small injuries and traumas like bad posture. So we examine a lot of different biomarkers, physiological biomarkers, where we analyze core strength, core flexibility, uh, posture, uh, we measure body composition, we measure blood, we measure uh, spinal alignment. So we're measuring up to 30 different parameters, and then based upon which ones come up as a good grade versus not a, a good grade, then we set our treatment protocol based upon actual, visual, objective findings. So there's okay. no guesswork here. You come in. We show you in layman's terms, here's what's doing really well for you, here's what's not doing really well for you, let's fix the bad things and let's maintain the good things. So the person has an understanding of, wow, I have to make these changes. And then the person says, 
okay, I want to do this or I don't want to do this. But at least they're aware. So when you're having communication with a doctor, you're in a level playing field now. You can have an understanding of, like, what's happened to your own body as compared to just relying on the doctor and him making the decision. Right. You know, we okay. give you the information, we let you know how we can fix it, and you say, I want to do this or I don't want to do this. Right. Now you know why you're having the problems with all the contributing factors. It's not just one thing or two things. It could be 15 things. Mm-hmm. So how do we handle that? We have steps and proper protocols. Now it's when we have a one-step shopping where you come in and we have, what options do you want to fix? What parts do you want to fix? Okay, let's start with this, which is a more thorough objective way of looking at something as compared right. to not evaluating and then based upon what evaluation you set your your protocols on. And then the cool thing is is that we reevaluate you so that way we're held accountable. Right. The patient can see what things have improved. And not just like I jumped on a scale, but a lot of physiological biomarkers and physiology doesn't lie. It's what's really happening inside your body that we're trying to make changes to, not just the outside. Perfect. Because in the reason I wanted to um, <clears throat> kind of give the listeners uh, clarity of how, you know, while we're talking about the, the subject of exercise and metabolism, nutrition, um, and how that affects our mind and our body is because I wanted them to see that, you're, you know, you're not just um, focused on one aspect of the person's health and wellness. You're focused on the, the whole encompassing aspect. So you identify challenges that the person may have. And then from that, you, the, you know, depending on what the person's priority is or what, what is, you know, what they want to conquer first, you guys proceed accordingly. And then there's a follow-up. And so you guys, listeners out there, um, this just gives you more information about the credibility that Dr. Pomahawk has in this area that we're discussing today. So when he says something, you can take it to heart with regards to it's bona fide factual information and it is going to help you no matter where you may be. So um, with that, let's go on with regardless of, you know, how um, um, people are always, I call it, um, going, I'm saying doing the diet shopping, you know, there's this diet out, there's that diet out, they work for a minute, and then, you know, they don't work. What advice would yeah. you give someone, and, and this is going back to, I'm shifting back to the nutrition or uh, metabolism stuff, and we'll, and then we'll shift it back into the exercise, but what advice would you give to someone who is starting a diet or perhaps a workout plan um, with the hopes of losing weight. Okay, so let's talk about the nutritional component first. Okay. Um, you know, first, first, of, first of all, I think um, no one should go into a wanting to lose weight program without having some professional advice, you know, meeting with a nutritionist, meeting with, uh, for exercise, a personal trainer or a chiropractor or a functional fitness person or a physical therapist. You have to get advice from someone. It's like a golfer never getting a golf lesson. You just didn't improve. So right. take out the guesswork and get advice. And if you're dealing with a nutritionist, they should be testing also. They should be testing your blood, your hormone levels. They should be not taking an approach in terms of figuring out your diet based upon nothing. You know, there should be some evidence because if there's evidence, it allows that practitioner to then set up a plan for you. And then three months, six months, a year down the road, they can remeasure your testosterone levels, your cortisol levels, your B vitamins, your precursors to diabetes. They can measure all these things and see whether or not that plan, that nutritional plan, is actually working for you as compared to 
let's eat this and we'll make you lose weight. Well, that's one parameter, but what about the things that are going inside your body, like cortisol levels or right. for women, their estrogen levels? Where can now measure that? So let's use technology to measure these things, and the information is out there. Uh, the nutritionist has to be able to have that information to set the plan for you. So that's the first step. Okay. The second step is, you know, if, if you look at a package and there's a lot of words on there that you can't uh, uh, understand or uh, repeat, then don't buy that. Go to the different product that has less words that you can not understand. <laughs> I mean, if you look at the ingredients on a vegetable, mm-hmm. it's just the vegetable. You know, we're just not eating enough healthy, simple foods. Right. And that's, that, that comes from preparation. You know, for me, for example, I prepare a lot of my meals the evening before so that way when I wake up in my morning, I have my routine set planned. So it's a regular systematic approach to what I'm eating on a daily basis, and it's set for me so I don't have to think about and stress out about what am I going to have for lunch, what am I going to have for dinner, where's my snack coming from. It doesn't take that much time to prepare your foods. And if you're making dinner, make a bit extra so you can have that for your next day's lunch. So simple things like that. You have to really make it simple for people mm-hmm. and to follow a plan as compared to like, this diet and that diet, that's a bad word. Just healthy, I think, is the main key thing that I teach people on a regular basis. I like that. The word healthy. Yeah. I I agree. Yeah. I mean, I, I <clears throat> tell my um, – well, I've always been um, into healthy eating because I, I had such a bad um, 17-year painful uh, condition where I had an ulcer that I suffered with for 17 years and it was never able to be diagnosed. And so when I finally, yeah, when I finally figured it out, I mean, by that time I was a nurse and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But when I figured it out, um, then I was really able to heal myself even, you know, heal myself. But the whole period I, you know, started going away from eating all the candies and, you know, bad food and just started eating more healthy. But at that point in time, it didn't really matter because no matter what I ate, it just upset me. But when I work with my clients, I tell them, you know, healthy is best. The less, it's, the the fresher it is, like going to get a bell pepper versus, you know, from the produce section versus, um, you know, going to get a can of beans or something. I mean, yeah. you know, it's like, well, we're, we're, we're super fortunate that we live in such a great state where we have great weather all year round. And yeah. for the most part, you know, a, a lot of things are, 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 are grown in this wonderful state. So the fact that the matter is, is we can get fresh fruits and vegetables for a majority of the year. Yeah. Which is a simple, wonderful, beneficial thing for anyone living here. I mean, it's a great place. And I'm not from here. So when I come here and I have a farmer's market all year round. Right. I mean, how often right. is that? So now, I mean, we kind of, I, I just want to, I'm going to take a, 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 a dive to the left because for those people, you know, we have great stuff available to hear us in California and some of the farming states. But what about like for people that live in New York City? I mean, I've been there a sure. lot. And, um, Me too. You know, I'm just saying that the food or produce that I see in the corner markets is not stuff I would necessarily buy because, of course, I'm comparing it to what we have here in California. What tips or suggestions can you give to people that don't live in, you know, the fruitful states like we do um, with regards to helping them stay eating healthy and fresh? Sure. I think, I think you know, it doesn't matter where you live. You just pick a better option. I mean, if you're going to have a dinner, for example, pick a salad. You know, for lunch, pick a vegetable. Just don't pick 
things that aren't healthy and natural. So it doesn't really matter where you live. I mean, I grew up in, in Toronto, Canada. It's a really cold place. And, mm-hmm. you know, uh, being a European kid, a lot of our uh, daily intake of foods was health-conscious-minded. There wasn't a lot of processed whites, sugars, breads, things of that nature. So uh, just be wise and smart about making conscious decisions and realize the ramifications are what you're putting into your body. So if you're living in New York City, you know, don't always have the pizza for lunch. Have a salad and maybe <laughs> one slice of pizza because New York pizza is great and we all love it. Oh, yeah. Eat every day. <laughs> you know what I mean? I love pizza. I mean, I have, I have cheat days. I have cheat meals. But I just don't have the bad option of that. For example, if I'm going to get a hamburger, I'm going to go to a local mom and pop place that's making a great hamburger as compared to a chain place that makes a hamburger that's maybe not even made out of beef. Right. You know, you're still having a hamburger, but pick the better option of that hamburger. Right. And then maybe don't get, you know, the top bun. Just get the bottom bun and maybe, you know, get some extra vegetables on there and and cut it up in pieces. And Mm -hmm. just just simple, smart decisions. And instead of getting uh, the French fries with your burger, get a salad or get some fruit or don't have the French fries and have maybe a secondary snack in like an hour. Love it. That's great. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I mean, I did take that dive off to the left, but I thought it was important to mention that for those, you know, like that people that, you know, may live in Toronto or, you know, in, in some areas where the, you know, it's not like California's fresh produce. And and so um, thank yeah. you. Okay, I'm going to get back on track yeah. now. I'm sorry, listeners, yeah. I just took it there, but um, I, I'm sure you guys appreciate that. Now, with regards to <clears throat> working out, diets, things of that nature, and weight, um, and this is a very stressful thing for a lot of people. For instance, you have people that work out, and I know you've probably seen them, and they go to the gym, they're at the gym all the time, but they do not look like they work out at all. Um, and they tend to measure, you know, they tend to be really focused on um, what the scale says. Sure. Can, can you help uh, help our listeners at why that might be the wrong thing to do? To, to, to weigh yourself? Yeah, and the focus on the number that's on the scale. Well, that, that's just, you know, uh, one number. I mean, there's a lot of people out there that look skinny but have a high percentage of body fat. So right. So doesn't really tell you about it. I think if you're going to measure yourself, and I weigh myself on a regular basis because I understand if I, you know, watch my diet, eat healthy, that I can manage my weight. But uh, uh, that's just the number. I mean, if you're losing weight or gaining weight, do you really truly know if you're gaining lean muscle mass, if you're losing body fat, if you're increasing, you know, inner, your intercellular water versus your extracellular water, which is the amount of inflammation your body's holding on to. I think most people, when they exercise, they think that the longer I work out, the more benefits I'm going to get from it. Or the longer I do cardio, the more benefits I'm going to get from it. I mean, my workouts with resistance training for weights, I spend two hours in the gym a week. My cardio components are between 12 to 16 minutes a session. So I'm not in the gym very long, but I'm very effective and efficient in terms of what I'm doing and what I'm doing it. So most people that I see in the gym, when they get a personal trainer, for example, Mm -hmm. are exercising with weights for an hour. That's way too long. And then I see people doing, hey, how was your cardio today? Oh, great, I was on the treadmill for 45 minutes. That's too long. I think the average person isn't being efficient with their workouts and thus their results that they're getting aren't getting to the point where they want to get to, and they're not succeeding in their goals, which is losing weight, looking better, having a better butt, uh, being stronger, things of that nature. People are spending too much time not doing what they should be doing in the gym, which is exercising and sort of resting too much. 
Oh my gosh! Thank you for saying that because um, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. Thank you for saying that. And so, you guys out there, I hope you took uh, to note what he just said with regards to that because it's really not how long you do something, but the caliber of what you do. And he mentioned twelve to fifteen minutes of cardio, and I'm going to have him just just talk about that a little bit for to you guys about why. Um, the 12 to 15 minutes might be so much more beneficial to your workout overall health um, than doing the 45 minutes to an hour and, and 15 minutes on, on uh, some kind of cardio apparatus. Dr. Pomahawk, can you please, because I, I, I'm kind of familiar with that, but can you please sure. just go over the why 12 to 15 minutes is, I'm going to say, quote, unquote, optimal? Well, the, the first thing is that the, the biggest excuse I get from patients is I don't have time to exercise because the, the standard protocol these days is it's too long of an exercise. So for cardio, my cardio would be a three-minute warm-up, and then it's an interval training. It's, you know, going at a faster pace. So, for example, let's say you're on a recumbent bike. You know, your high RPMs for your 30 seconds of high intensity can be, for me, it would be 100 RPMs, and that's done for... 30 seconds, and then the following 90 seconds is done for me at an RPM or how fast you're cycling the bike for 90 seconds. So it's segments of two minutes. Mm -hmm. It's a three-minute workout initially to warm up, and then you can do sections of two minutes and two minutes and two minutes and do six of those. So you're doing 30 seconds, fast pace, 90 seconds, regular pace but a bit quicker, and do six sessions of those. That's 12 minutes plus your three-minute warm-up and maybe a minute cool down, and you're all set. The benefit for that is you're actually stimulating your growth hormone, and you're actually losing weight, not just while you're working out, but the process of losing weight actually continues after you're done working out. So it's way more effective in terms of time management because none of us have enough time. It's also being way more in the beat or in the tune of having to pay attention to what you're doing as compared to watching TV, which most of the time when we're doing something on the screen that's having bad posture, you're in the the zone, and you're getting in and out of the gym at a quicker time, which means you have more time to do things you really want to do, like watch television or spend time with your kid. Love it. So can you tell us what that does for our brain when we do an exercise where we're doing the warm-up and then the intervals and then, um, you know, the cool-down? Can you just just um, let them know what that does for their brains? Because I know it's extremely beneficial. Yeah, you're getting an endorphin release, which makes you produce happy emotions. I mean, your serotonin levels are being uh, improved upon, your melatonin levels are being improved upon. And also, when you're having to consciously think about what you're doing, you're stimulating your brain throughout your exercises compared to, you know, the mundane 45 minutes of cardio, going at the same pace, getting bored, not thinking about what you're doing. Because when you're exercising... You have to think about your breathing, thinking about your posture, thinking about your pace. There's a lot of things you're thinking about, so the time sort of goes a lot faster and quicker when you're utilizing your brain, getting a better workout, and uh, 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 um, fatiguing yourself so that way your sleep patterns will be better because you're more tired in a lesser period of time. So you're constantly using your brain. So if you're constantly using your brain, you're going to stimulate your brain, and uh, you'll be smarter about how to understand what you're doing for your body. Love it. Okay, so you guys, it has multiple benefits by doing that, you know, 12 to 15 minutes of cardio. And besides, my thing is, you know, he just gave you something 
that everybody should be able to do. And the reason being is because we have so many minutes. I should have looked this up to see how exactly how many minutes we have in 20, you know, in a day. But if you can't take 15 minutes for yourself, that's going to better your health. Come on. I mean, we are not that busy where we can't take 15 minutes for ourselves that's going to be beneficial to our mind and our body. I, I talk about this all the time, and, and so it's good that I have you as, to back me up on that. Yeah. That's one thing, you know, for example, like what, people that own dogs, for example, don't take your dog for a walk. Take your dog for a quick burst of walking for 30 seconds and then a slower walk, and then a burst of 30 seconds faster pace and then slower walks. So now you're walking with your dog for... 12 minutes instead of a half an hour. Your dog's going to love it because it's kind of giving him a slow run for him. Mm -hmm. We're having to constantly think about what we're doing, and now you're saving time because a lot of people just don't want to walk their dog for 45 minutes. I love I love my dog, but in the mornings when I have to walk her, I don't want to walk her for half an hour. I want to walk her for 12 minutes, which gives me an extra bit of time to spend with my son. Oh, beautiful. Oh, again, another fabulous tip on blissful living from Dr. Pomahawk. It's just, he's killing us today with these fabulous, simple tips, you guys, simple things that we can all do, and it doesn't take that much time. You know, it, it's fabulous. And, you know, you're going to look better, you're going to feel better, you're going to have more energy, you're going to sleep better, um, and the list goes on and on and on. Now, I saw on your blog that you have an issue with calories being the main thing that people are concerned about, you know, especially when we're dieting. I hate to use the word dieting. I'm going to say but when we're eating and we're watching our quote-unquote calories. Um, why is that? Um, Low-fat and no-fat diets and the number of calories you're taking in, there's something called uh, the basal metabolic rate is – uh, you need X amount of calories on a daily basis just to stay alive. And we can actually calculate that based upon uh, age, uh, sex, and uh, exercise levels. But for an average, let's say it's 1,600 calories. If you're intaking less than 1,600 calories a day, that means your body has to feed off itself to get the calories. So if you're eating calories, eat good calories. It's okay to eat fat, but eat good fats. It's okay to have calories, but when are you intaking the calories? So counting calories is not a good idea. It's making sure that you're getting quality calories. And also, you know, based upon something called the glycemic index, how your body responds to releasing insulin and storing insulin. You also have to sort of learn about what you're putting in your body. So I think the main thing about the calorie content is, you know, once again, educate yourself a little bit because health and being healthy, it's a lifestyle from the day you realize you're going to have a long time until the time you die. So invest in a bit of learning about how to properly eat. And you can find stuff online all the time. You can go to my blogs. I mean, obviously you talk about this all the time. But just don't count your calories. Just make sure that you're intaking good calories as compared to the number of calories. Great. Um, I like that. Now, in the context of that, what you just said, you mentioned good fats. Could you just give the listeners an exa some examples of what would be considered good fats? Well, you know, uh, living in California, avocados. You know, uh, and a lot of foods, there's, there's uh, you know, um, watch, watch your saturated fats, and you want to have make sure that you're eating unsaturated fats. But, you know, um, in any food that you're going to be eating, there should be some, some quality of fat in your diet. So, um, you know, simple research. 
in terms of good fats versus bad fats, uh, avocados is a great source of fats. Uh, even eating, uh, for example, when you buy your turkey, uh, ground turkey, instead of having you know low fat, get medium fat because we need fat in our diets. It's attached to you know every hormone in our body. So if we're not getting enough fat in our diet, then your body has to produce more fat, and that's where our cholesterol levels start to rise. So when you're having a burger, it's okay to have a little bit of fat on there. When you're having condiments, it's okay to have a bit of fat in your foods that you're intaking on a regular basis. So don't really worry about um, uh, the fact of watching your fat intake. We need fat, and most of us are just not getting enough fat in our diet. Great. I think um, what was what, what one of the diets that uh, really, I can't remember. There's so many of them. I don't know if it's Atkins or one of them. Um, I think it was. Well, anyway. Yeah, that's yeah, it was just, you know, I, I just, when I heard people doing that, I just thought, oh, my gosh, you, you just, you, it's not going to be successful for you um, because you can't sustain that. So um, I'm glad you mentioned that there are good fats because, you know, people tend to hear fats. And just think everything is, you know, with regards to fats is bad, but they're actually good fats out there and we do need them. It's just we eat too yeah. much of them and we eat the wrong yeah. fat. So, like, it's, like, for example, there's, you know, the good fats in nuts or in seeds or in, you know, oils and vegetable spreads. I mean, there's lots of good fats that we should be intaking. And, and one of the best things that we have, like I said before, is, is avocados. Mm. Put some avocado in your salad. You're getting a great source of your uh, omega uh, uh, three, six, and nines in there, which is, you know, great for uh, a lot of beneficial things, including skin, including uh, um, adding a coat to your uh, ability to go to the bathroom and just kind of smooth things over. It makes you really healthy in terms of having that quality of fat in your diet. Mm, yeah, I, I I I love avocado. So, um, but you know, I'm in California, and you know, avocados go in are made, um, you know, the main component of guacamole, and I like guacamole. Yeah. <laughs> Who does it, right? I mean, yeah, to go, on, to go on my taco. Okay, turn so. guacamole <laughs> okay. You know, I, mean, I snack on nuts all the time. I mean, it's just one of the things. Well, what, 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 are some nuts that, what are some nuts that you suggest for people to snack? Because, you know, you know I, I know we've been talking about exercise and diet and nutrition, you guys, and um, – and we're just really, really, you know, trying to give you a formula to help you, you know, be successful and and, and maintain your weight and all that good stuff. Um, and you can snack. It's okay to snack. It's just what you snack on makes the difference. And so I'm going to have Dr. Pomahawk, since he mentioned snacking and snacking on nuts, tell us a little bit about the nuts you snack on or that you recommend for, you know, your patients. Um, you know, when, when it comes to nuts, it's just a personal preference. I mean, I like almonds and I like cashew nuts. I mean, you have to first figure out, you know, what you're allergic to. But go, going back to snacking, uh, I don't really have many big meals. I do a lot of snacking during the day just because, like most of us, we're really busy. So it's kind of hard to find the time to eat. So instead of missing your meals, which is then going to affect your metabolism, like we talked about before, it's a lot easier to have a snack and then a half a sandwich or a piece of fruit or a couple nuts or, um, you know, a couple pieces of um, a cracker. Just as long as you're sort of like trying to get some consumption of food on a regular basis, it's a lot better than missing a meal. Even like, for example, my breakfast in the morning, I'm not a big eater in the morning, so I have a shake in the morning. I'm 
make a you know a meal replacement shake in the morning because for me it's a lot easier to drink my meal in the morning than just to eat it. So right. I'm constantly snacking on just simple, simple things that you know prepare yourself and figure out what you like to eat and then just put those in a Tupperware container and bring them with you to the office and then hey, I have five minutes let's have a bit of a snack. At least you're not missing or having too much of a gap time in between when you first had your first meal and then four hours later you're having your second meal. That's just not a very uh, great way of making sure you stay healthy. Thank you for saying that, and thank you for sharing that. I appreciate it. Okay, let's get back on. Um, I want to talk about, you know, I'm, I'm going back and forth between eating and, you know, nutrition and um, exercise. And there's a common, or I guess as I will say it's a common misnomer that um, exercise for men and women, um, they can train the same uh, I've heard that before. Is there a difference? Um, can you just tell us, should women train their bodies differently than men? Uh, I, I don't think that there should be much of a difference. Obviously, the uh, the amount of weight you should be pushing is, is maybe different because men obviously have more testosterone than women do. But you know, one of the things that I constantly hear from most of my women patients is, so what type of exercise are you doing? Well, I do some stretching, I do some cardio. There's no resistance training in there. You know, so so you have to add resistance training because the more muscle you have, the more calories you burn. If you're not having enough muscle mass, then your body's ability to burn calories reduces. So you have to have resistance training. And you know, I firmly believe that if you lift heavy weights as a female, you're not going to look like me because you don't have enough testosterone to look like me. You know, I'm a big, big person with a lot of muscle mass. And if you're a female. Don't worry about looking like me, but just you have to have resistance training. When it comes to men, I mean, they can, it's the same thing. I mean, I think sometimes men don't want to do the cardio because it's, I don't have enough time to do cardio. Well, now the fact of the matter is if you have your cardio sessions that are intense training with an interval training and it's only 12 to 15 minutes, then when you're not doing that, it's because you really don't want to as compared to not having enough time. So the bottom line is you should be stretching, weight resistance, some form of interval training cardio, and it can be pretty um, common for both male and females. So really not a difference between uh, genders. Okay, I like that. Um, Okay, so I'm going to piggyback off that and say, um, you know, you get the gals that do a lot of, um, you know, they hit the gym. When I say hit the gym, I mean they go in there and they're they're pumping iron. And they get concerned when they get on the scale because they're like, here I am working out and, you know, I am seeing some muscle development and stuff. But now I weigh more than when I started working out. What would you say to those those people like that? Sure. Um, You know, how do your clothes fit on you? Do you look better in your clothes? I mean, you know, how's your body structure changed? So one thing I really teach my patients is, you know, before and after pictures. and, And really instead of measuring yourself on a scale, Get a bioimpedance test. Get something that's measuring other components of what you're gaining or losing. Just because you've gained weights in terms of what's on the scale doesn't mean that you haven't decreased your body fat or increased your lean muscle mass. I mean, what are those parameters measuring? So I wouldn't really worry about what the number says as long as you feel comfortable in your own skin, as long as you feel comfortable in terms of how you look. And, you know, if your main objective is to uh, look better, then don't worry about the scale. So stay away from that thing if if that's your only uh, measurement of how you feel and how you look. Because it's just a number. I mean, just like as we age, it's just a number. So who cares how old you are? I mean, I have patients that are in their 80s and they're, 
you know, playing tennis four days a week. And then I have patients that are in their 80s that can't do anything. It's just a number. Yeah, I uh, recently came across a lady that was 94 years old. She's a darling. She didn't look like she was 94 at all. And, um, you know, she was like, we're talking, and she asked the gal, we're in line for something. She said, honey, how long is this going to take? And the, the gal that was helping us was like, Oh, I'll be with you in just a few minutes. And she's like, "Why?" And she's like, "Because I have a tennis, I have a tennis date, you know, to go to." Yeah, isn't that great? And I was like, "Oh you my know? gosh!" You know, first of all, she only reason why I knew she was ninety four because we were having this conversation. But she was like dressed to the nine, and you know, she she looked like she was maybe in her early seventies at the most. Her skin was flawless. She did have beautiful white hair, but. That, you know, her skin was just beautiful. And she said, and then she told me, she said, honey, yeah, I play tennis with four, three other gals, and, and they're way younger than me. They're in their late 60s and early 70s, and they wonder how I come I beat them all the time. And I'm looking at her, and I'm thinking, I want to know your secret, too, because when I grow up, I want to be just like you. She was fabulous. Exactly. You know, so. If you go live to 100 years old, when do you start preparing for that? I mean, the answer is now. You know, and back to that scale question, I mean, you know, who else knows how much you weigh except for yourself? Do you tell your friends how much you weigh? But if you're five pounds heavier than your initial weighing in, but your clothes feel better, you have more lean muscle mass, you have less body fat, then that's just in your own head. So, you know? I agree. It's, it, it, I mean, yeah. that, that lady, she just blew me away. And so the fact that you're talking about it, you know, it just brings everything into to context here with regards to it. You know, really, it really doesn't matter. Um, it's just a number. It is, and it's all about really how you feel in your clothing. If you, you know, you know, we women, we're real conscious of that. So you know when things are fitting tighter than they were, or when they're fitting looser. Or Holy. When, you know, I, I know guys do too, but you know, we, we women really uh, tend to focus on that, and we have tend to have different sizes from for different weight periods in our life, so to speak. Um, sure. So you know, um, it's, it's just an interesting concept. Now, but if you truly, but if you truly knew what that number meant, what that scale, what that scale means, as compared to figuring out how much percentage of that scale is lean muscle mass versus body fat. And if your number is increasing in the muscle mass and decreasing the body fat, then you wouldn't really be worried about that weight. But unfortunately, you know, people that are seeing a personal trainer or, for example, The Biggest Loser, that TV show, Mm -hmm. they're just measuring one parameter. And that doesn't really tell us anything about how healthy you are. So stop it. So stop worrying about the number and go to a place where you can measure your physiology. Go to a place where you can measure, you know, uh, multiple components of what's actually happening to that number on a scale. I'm glad you brought up the point um, with regards to, you know, muscle, you know, getting that, um, I want to say fat test. You know, when you go, and I know you know this because you kind of mentioned it, when people go to a gym and they seek out a personal trainer and they do the quote-unquote fat testing, is that pretty accurate or not really? Uh, they're probably do using calipers. And I used to be a personal trainer many, many moons ago. Uh, but they're using calipers. That uh, form of measurement, it's been around since, I don't know, the 50s, the 40s, the 30s. Who knows how long it's been around for? It's outdated. Uh, just because what happens is the person doing that measurement measure your skin, takes a reading, then remeasures you in probably eight weeks or 12 weeks. In order to make their numbers look better, they just pinch less skin. 
And so now they think that they're, or they make the client believe that they're actually losing body fat when they're just measuring it differently or in a different spot. There's too many variables that come into play with caliper testing. So the simplest, easiest way of getting tested is through, you know, bioimpedance analysis. And I know up in San Francisco there's quite a few places. I know gyms are now investing in bioimpedance evaluations. And if you can't find the place, you know, Google it online and see who's having a BIA testing. Get that done because that takes the person doing the test out of play, and now it's just an objective finding, not a subjective finding. Great, and objective information is always, you know, the most accurate because it's it's factual versus uh, emotional or whatever. Uh, so yeah, that's okay. Thank you. Um, I'm glad we. I'm glad you kind of mentioned that because I know people. That happens to people, and then they tend to gauge how successful they are based on those different times when that person is measuring their fat. And sometimes they say, "Well, it seems like I'm losing fat or, or losing weight." Um, but my testing isn't coming out right. It, the, the numbers don't drive with the results. And so then they get discouraged. And um, and that's the least last thing we want people to do is to get discouraged. Um, well, and partially why they're getting discouraged is because, you know, when you're having a, a session in the gym, you're in there too long. And you're right. Your time. So they get discouraged of the fact that they don't get the results. They're discouraged because now they're spending way too much time in the gym, and, you know, one plus one adds to two, and before you know it, they're quitting as compared to, you know, even if you weren't getting the results you want, but you're spending half the amount of time in there, you can say, hey, there's other benefits to this, to going to the gym. I'm able to be in and out in a quicker period of time, and I'm constantly thinking and changing what I'm doing, and it's a fun thing now as compared to I have to be here for two hours. Are you kidding me? It just doesn't work anymore. We don't have two hours four days a week. Why would you want to spend four hours in the gym? Listen, I've been exercising for 25 years. I don't want to spend an hour in the gym. Me either. And I used to do that. I mean, I used yeah. to go and actually I used to end up, it would be turning into two hours because then I'd run into people and they know me and then they start a conversation and then I'd get cold and I have to warm myself back up. And then it became just like, yeah. you know, this like, soap opera type of routine and so what I did was I just switched and went to another gym where I know that I could just get in and out and um, it just made a significantly you know enhance my life so much more because then I had so much more time and then when I discovered the um, you know the 12 to 15 minute routine um, a couple of years ago man that just really kicked things into overdrive I mean I've never had a weight problem right. but just you know yeah. it just kick things into overdrive with allowing me to have so much more time and still get my exercise in instead of three times a week. You know, I could go every day or, you know, run on my treadmill every day that I have at home and it was done and it was like, I felt good and, you know, everything just was clicking on all cylinders when I began to do that. So, um, I, I like that. I like that information that you gave. Here's my tip when, when, when people want to talk to you in the gym, just wear headphones. Who cares if it's attached to your iPod? If you if people think that you're listening to music, they're less inclined to come and talk to you. Yeah, I learned that tip. Too. <laughs> I yeah, you know I learned I mean? that. I, I even if the you know even if my um at that time I was like had a little CD player, but now I have my you know iPhone. Yeah, totally. But even if it had ran out of batteries, I would just sit there with my headphones on and pretend like I was in a zone in the music or whatever. And yeah, um, yeah but it really made a difference when I changed switch gyms and, you know, and really got more focused on what I was trying to do. 
um, and less of the social stuff because I wasn't at the gym to be social. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you very much. And so I'm saying this because I know people out there, you guys can do this too. He just gave you another phenomenal tip. If you go to the gym and you get bombarded because you see a lot of people there, you know, and you just want to get in, get your workout and get out, do that tip. Put those headphones on. And even if you just have to pretend like you've got it tucked into a little mini iPod Nano that's in your waist or something and you don't have anything, I guarantee you people, they may, they may wave at you, they may do the head nod, but they're not going to come talk to you. And then you're able to get in. Another tip also, like for me, for example, when I'm exercising, mm-hmm. I have very little rest time. So if you're constantly in motion, the other person doesn't have a chance to talk to you because you're not sitting around wasting time. And that's usually when people talk to you. is like when you're, for example, on the treadmill and you're going at the, the same pace and you feel like you're bored and in television, but if you're constantly focusing on changing your, your, your tempo and changing your speed and watching your posture and then having your headphones on, you're more engaged in what you're doing, and people really aren't going to interrupt you when you're engaged in something. It's when you look like you're bored that they can come up and talk to you and say, hey, how's your day going? Right. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that one as well. Yeah, And again, that, that's... I'm full, I'm full of tips. Yeah, and it just ties into what we've been talking about with regards to, you know, the interval stuff and, and how that affects your brain and why it's important to do that. But now you just got another benefit, listeners, as to why it's important to do that. <laughs> so you can get in and out in 12, I'm going to say 12 to 16 minutes, you know, a minute to walk in out or whatever. Um, so I, I just thank you. That's just absolutely fabulous. So is there one last thing? Um, you know what, before we, before I, I close it out, because I do have a still a little bit more time, I want to ask you, you mentioned something about posture and exercise. Yeah. Can we just touch on that? I know it was mentioned a, a little while back, and it just, I have a note here that I, I mentioned, I mean, I wrote down posture. Um, explain that to us a little bit. Um, you know, good posture equals good health, bad posture equals bad health. If you see a kid you know, uh, a little kid, for example, my son's one, two years old, three years old. You see them and they have great posture. And then as we age and stress adds on top of the more stress and more stress, and you see the older population, they have bad posture. They're usually not healthy. And that's a common uh, uh, situation these days where we're taking way too many medications. But if you're not having good posture while you're just doing your regular activities of standing or sitting, and you then incorporate that bad posture into exercising, you're way more likely to hurt yourself because if you're, you got to remember, a muscle starts at a bone and ends at a bone. And if that structural posture is not in an ideal alignment, then those muscles are either working too much or stretched all the time. And then you go to exercise and then you're asking your already stressed muscle to do even more stuff with that posture, you're more likely to eventually hurt yourself. So one of the big things I teach here is visually analyzing functional posture, which is sitting and standing position and looking at how you're standing. And then we also analyze a structural posture by looking at and measuring spinal alignment. So when a person has an understanding of both components and then we teach them how to sit and stand and then you can transfer those positions into the gym, you're actually isolating your muscles that you're working on while maintaining the muscles that you're needing while you're sitting and standing. So you're actually doing two workouts by the muscle you're working on and then the muscles that are needed for proper posture. Great. Thank you. Um, again, Get evaluated. Get your posture evaluated. That's, that's good information because um, I actually didn't know about um, 
you know, bad posture being prone to, you know, having making the person more prone to injuries. I mean, I, I have good posture, but I'm thinking I do see a ton of people with horrible posture and, you know, and I, you see them in the gym as well. And, um, I didn't know it would, you know, make a person more prone to, uh, more injuries. But, you know, when you think about it, things are out of alignment. That's possible. Let me ask you one other thing that I heard about recently with regards to posture. You know how people tend to, I want to say, again, as we age, it's the misnomer. People tend to, um, you know, have their head more forward and, and tend to be more down and, um, I want to say where they're more rounding the upper back. You know what I'm, I'm talking about? I think that's called the lordosis position. Um, does that, when you do that, um, does that add more weight or more stress on your neck and shoulders and upper back area? Yeah, totally. Because once again, you have to remember that your structural posture, if you think about it, your bone position affects how your nervous system works and your nerves affect the muscles. So when your spine's not positioned properly, your muscles are not going to be working at a state of rest. But you have to also realize that in order to find out where you should be, you have to know where you are. So you have to get those things evaluated. You have to go see someone, for example, a chiropractic biophysics doctor that actually measures your spinal angles, someone that measures your posture. Because if you don't know where your starting point is, how do you know how to improve it? Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I just heard that, and um, and someone, you know, I think I don't know where I was. I was probably at a conference or something, and someone was talking about that and how it related to exercise, just like what we were talking about—the whole alignment, you know, exercise, and then how you know that you know that puts you know uh, additional stress on the body, and you know how just by shifting your head back and and you know sticking with up. Uh, placing your shoulders back and, you know, more proper alignment, how that can take some, you know, additional stresses and weight off your neck and shoulder area and, you know, less stress on your body as you exercise. So I thought, let me ask you, since I have you on the, you know, on the show here. Um, well. Let me, let me interrupt real quick here. Yeah. You're, 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 the nervous system in your neck controls your upper extremities and controls the upper part of your upper shoulder area, for example. So if you're working on your biceps, your triceps, your shoulders, your chest, and your nervous system, based upon bad posture, is being uh, impeded, then the information from your nervous system that uh, controls your muscles' ability to con- contract and grow is going to be uh, reduced. So they did studies on uh, decreased lung capacity by forward head posture. They did uh, forward, head, forward head posture and decreased ability of muscle recruitment for bench press. So if you're not having good posture and then you're exercising, you're sort of not getting the awful workout you should be getting in because your muscles aren't working as well as they should. Mm. Thank you. Just improve your posture. And, you know, there's a lot of people out there that can uh, digitally analyze your posture so you understand where you're supposed to be in regular life and then when you're being in an activity. Thank you, because that's good information for people to know because when you're, you know, again, when you're aligned correctly, then you're exercising better, it's less stress on your, your, you know, your whole body, it's more beneficial to your mind, everything just gets into the flow of things and um, and then you, you're, you see more success with it and you feel better. Okay, so now we're at the end of the show and I would like for you to explain to people how they can get in touch with you, um, if they want to, you know, learn more about you or work with you personally or any any of the above. Sure. Um, well, I'm located in uh, the Mid-Wilshire, Beverly Hills area in Southern California. 
my website is maxhealthla.com, M-A-X-H-E-A-L-T-H-L-A.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Dr. Rob underscore Max Health. Um, and you can always email me if you have any questions or concerns. I always am willing to uh, answer people's questions when it comes to their health problems. Uh, my email address is Dr. Rob, D-R-R-O-B, at MaxHealthLA.com. Uh, and if you're not in the lo- local area, I can always refer you to a doctor that's uh, in other parts of the country. Oh, great. Of ways of uh, getting a hold of me. I'm more than willing to help uh, as many people out there as I can and spread the word of evaluating your health, uh, being accountable for those measurements, setting up a treatment plan for those specific parameters, and then really understanding what's happening inside your body. Thank you, Dr. Rob. Tomahawk. I really appreciate it. I, I mean, you're a fabulous guest, and and I'm sure the listeners had a lot of, um, got a lot of information, and a lot of tips from you with regards to nutrition, eating, metabolism, exercise, and the benefits of that for our mind and our body. And so, again, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to do this. Um, all you listeners out there, I will have Dr. Tomahawk's information on the website. So not to worry, if you didn't get it, you can go to the website and and definitely obtain the information. And I will also have how you can, you know, connect with him as well. Um, I'm sorry we're at the end of our time. And I truly, truly enjoyed the show today. It was very informative and uh, very engaging and full of just a lot of yumminess and, and good tools for us to utilize in our daily life. So I would like to thank you all for listening to Blissful Living. Um, I hope you enjoyed listening to us conversate. And um, as always, you know, I'd like to wish you guys much health and wellness. But more importantly, I'd like to wish you peace to your mind, wellness to your body, and tranquility to your spirit. Until next week, have a fabulous week and take good care. You can find out more about Rochelle on her website, Rochelle Lawson, R-O-C-H-E-L-E Lawson, L-A-W-S-O-N or at healthhealingwellness.com. Or just click on her websites from the webtalkradio.net page right in front of you. And of course, you'll want to come right back here next week for another episode of Blissful Living. Thanks for joining us.